Welcome to a brand new edition of the Cybersecurity Matters Podcast. I'm your co-host, Dominic Vogel, and joining me, as always, is my dapper friend, Christian Redshaw. Christian, how are you doing today? As always, Dom, I'm doing well. And how about yourself? Stellar, my friend. Stellar. Good to hear. Uh, I'm really, really excited um, as we're going down uh, this path of having amazing uh, guests on the show, uh, all keynote speakers at the Vancouver International uh, Privacy and Security Summit. Uh, and today, we are going to be joined by Sean Roche. Uh, who lives in Los Angeles, and uh, he is the director of national security for Amazon AWS. Uh, so we're really looking forward to having him on the show. Uh, I've heard that he's ex-CIA, so uh, that should be a very interesting conversation. I believe that is now, at least according to your account, three CIA people or former CIA people Indeed. we've had on the show, so we're looking forward to that. Uh, I'll, start, I'll stop this little ramble here. We'll pause for a commercial break, and we'll bring Sean into the show. All data is not created equal. You require a depth and breadth of information on technology assets that increases your credibility, maximizes your effectiveness, and differentiates your service offering. You need to know what's there. Since 2004, Landsweeper has been the world's leading platform for IT, OT, and IoT discovery and inventory. By leveraging multiple proprietary scanning engines, from credential-free device recognition to agent-based discovery and everything in between, Landsweeper allows you to find both known and unknown assets connecting to your customer's network. The data available in Landsweeper's platform allows you to respond to a wide variety of use cases and is completely extensible through data export, our open API, or an OEM model that allows you to leverage our scanning capabilities within your own proprietary solution. When you partner with Landsweeper, the potential is endless. Sean, thank you so much for joining us on the Cybersecurity Matters podcast. How are you doing today? Great, great to be here. Thank you. Well, we're really uh, looking forward to having you on the conversation. Uh, I don't think we've ever talked to someone from a data center before, although it's uh, probably a virtual background, but it looks pretty cool there. Uh, but uh, thought we would start off with uh, what I hope is an easy question. I was wondering if you could tell us, and by extension, our viewers and our listeners, a little bit more about yourself and your career narrative. Okay, well, certainly um, for the last two and a half years, I've been working in AWS in their global public sector, which is everything outside the United States. So an international public sector that focuses on the national security customer, those folks that are doing defense, intelligence, and federal policing. And so my surface area is the entire globe. And I'm coming to you today from Los Angeles, where most Californians wish they were living in Vancouver. <laughs> I was, just, I was going to say we're on the West Coast as well here. <laughs> uh, brilliant. Uh, I have a question as a follow-up. Um, so for organizations, Sean, uh, whether it's public or private sector, um, from your global lens, um, how important is what we refer to as digital trust of protecting what our clients, what our constituents, what our stakeholders, the information that gets put into our hands? Digital trust is just existential. It's existential in everything we do at Amazon, whether it's in our commercial sector, what we're doing on the retail side, and especially you know on the national security and the public sector side, the civil, and especially in areas like, and it's going to be covered at the conference, wealth and health, healthcare especially. So that digital trust and the need to deliver that for customers and the government's obligation to ensure that for its citizens is something that's only growing. If we look at shifts in what a government is expected to do in the social contract theory, I would say the greatest change and the greatest shift in this new industrial revolution, this digital revolution, 
is the expectations of government that they will be able to deliver services, more services, critical infrastructure, with a level of trust. And the, the information riding over those communications can be trusted. And so that that is basically an existential need that's only growing. Mm -hmm. And so for me, achieving this state of digital trust, it, implied in what you're saying, requires strong leadership. Um, how would you define a strong cybersecurity leader? What are some qualities that you would look for? Well, it, it is exactly said. In this area, it really stops starts from the top down. To have good cybersecurity, an area that um, I was responsible for in my previous career at the Central Intelligence Agency in the United States, it really starts with the, with the director. It really starts with the seniors uh, pushing it down. Now, they have to make it everyone's job. So the first part of that leadership is that it is not that other thing. It is not this, oh, by the way, uh, yeah, we do, do we have the digital folks at this meeting? It has to be integrated into the decision process. Other people have said it must have a voice and a seat at the table, not just a seat, but a real voice. So the first thing leadership's gonna do is make that an inclusive part of all their decisions. The second thing that really needs to happen is that you really take a need to take a hard look constantly at what are the digital workflows that define what we do? And that's very different than the operational workflows. We know those, but what are the digital workflows that we need and where are the gaps? And where do we need to tighten that up? And when you look at the digital workflows, which is really the mission you're delivering and you tie it to mission, you'll find you have amazing people doing sometimes digital drudgery that they can avoid and that will make your organization more secure, more secure in an enduring way. Because I tell somebody, you know, one of my friends, a cybersecurity expert, and he says, hey, I, I got married. I'm going to, uh, you know, distant island and uh, Papiete, and I'm going to disconnect for two weeks. And I said, well, when you come back, you're going to be a little more obsolete because in two weeks, everything has changed. It does sound nice, though. It's an island where no one can find you. Not gonna lie. <laughs> it does. It does very much. I, I don't know if I'm. Re I don't know if I'm ready for that. I think I need the twelve-step process first. <laughs> I, um, I, I do want to ask you about because I, I find it interesting you know, when, when this whole concept you know, with, with national security and with the way how quickly things are moving. You mentioned there about you know being away for two weeks and things being obsolete. Um, you know, the when you think of government and you think of bureaucracy, you don't necessarily think of um, speed. <laughs> Um, in terms of what this means from a digital security perspective and digital trust perspective, does the government need to move faster to be able to deal with some of these underlying trust issues? Is that, at what point is that the sort of the speed or lack thereof of government forces? Is that going to affect things? Well, I, you know, maybe I was part of that problem. I, I, I spent 27 years at the agency and, and I would say that everybody always wants to be moving faster. And I do think actually to give them credit, I think the public sector really moves as fast as it can. I think there's the other thing you really want in that movement. So when we think about it, we think in terms of physics. It's both it's both the speed you're moving and the vector you're on. And actually, I think government can move incredibly fast. And I've seen it in the last couple of years, uh, being outside of it and watching it, it in, in that set the right vector set the speed and be willing to change that, be willing to alter the path. Do not feel that you're locked into a path. That's the great thing about digital. You know, in my career, I made a lot of really big mistakes where we started out on a path 
uh, to enable a mission. And we went down the wrong path. But the great part is we didn't have a lot of titanium and bent heavy metal around. We didn't have a prototype airplane. We had something that we could tear down and rebuild pretty quickly. So I, I would say that we we need to give the public sector credit for they, they move pretty darn fast within their lanes. And what would make a big difference is the combination of both speed and the right vector. And that's some of the emphasis that I see in the conversations across the board. Oh, that's really interesting. And uh, uh, st staying in sort of the public sector piece, or I guess to a degree, but you were, you were mentioning about uh, um, healthcare earlier. Um, I'm I'm curious there in terms of, again, from a, a threat vector perspective, you know, as we're seeing, you know, geopolitical tensions, you know, continually rise throughout uh, uh, the world, do areas like healthcare, do they, are they going to start intersecting more and more so with ge geopolitical issues? And do they need to keep that in mind in terms of how they're approaching security? Well, I think so. Certainly what, what I have said and what I've witnessed is um, that healthcare, more and more critical infrastructure, the things we rely on for light and power for running this meeting, um, banking, finance, our ATM working without it. Those things more and more are becoming part of the national security dialogue. In other words, part of what a government is expected to have some hand in making sure is assured uh, secure, and most importantly, resilient. So let's talk about healthcare for a second. I, I, I like to tell people that, you know, when I'm talking to a national security in, uh, customer, as I was for many years, they're pretty sure that their secrets, the things they want to protect are more secret or more important than any other. That's good. That's where we want them. They, they, that's enthusiasm for the mission. However, I remind them, we're securing the world's wealth and health data. And I would say the average citizen is concerned about defense, especially when it's on their borders. The average citizen is concerned about intelligence and knowing threats. I'll tell you, healthcare is where it's really personal for that. And there have been some healthcare breaches that have affected international customers. Those breaches got the headlines. Those breaches re resulted in ministers losing their jobs. Uh, those were the things that really unsettled a population, that and the ATMs not working. And so uh, everything in the public sector is important, but I, I, you know, I consulted for two years after I left CIA and I did a lot of work in healthcare with electronic health records. And what I, and I did work with the Veterans Administration here in the United States. And what I discovered was, is those, those things matter so much. They are so personal. So the security you know, associated with them, uh, the amount of diligence uh, and uh, the the uh, amount of resilient nature of them. So people want their records. They need them for help on the edge, but they want them secure. Uh, and that's a system that has been aggressively targeted, as you know, by the ransomware. And so we shouldn't think that that will continue to be uh, a national threat. And there was an incident where, uh, at least one that I'm personally familiar with, where a state actor did go in to breach the health records of the leadership of a country. Sean, whether it was your role in the agency or your current role at AWS, the concept of trust but verify, do you have any, and you think back to any examples or current examples where um, that was a factor in achieving the mission or a mission? Oh, gee, it, it, it was a factor every time. And and when I have the the honor to, to speak in uh, Canada, especially in Quebec, I say, fit confiance, Mais verifier. So, um, and 
after I gave that speech, someone said to me, you know, that's actually a Russian slogan that the Americans adopted. Uh, but uh, I'll have to look at it because it was originally, of course, President Reagan said that. So, um, you know, that that's a factor in everything we do. What happens typically is when there's an incident, when there is a concern, there's a flurry of first issue reporting. And there's a tremendous, because everyone takes it seriously, there's a tremendous um, urge to act. There's a, you know, a bias for action, we call it. And what we've learned and what I learned in my uh, agency career uh, and what I've learned at AWS on a global scale, just as my work was before, is that, you know, that first reporting, you need three or four sources to confirm it. And you need to do some active testing. And that all is about preparation in advance. That's all about being ready for when something happens. What, what do we have? What can we draw on in terms of resource? And, and what sources do we have? And then quite simply, what is the way that, and you have to practice this too, what is the way that we are going to do a diligence on that, a very fast diligence, in real time so that when the first reporting is given, that it is not something you later have to retract because I, I will tell you, there were times, you know, if you're in the Oval Office, uh, you are sometimes there 60 minutes after something has hit CNN. What you don't do and what doesn't serve any customer, whether it's a company or it's a country, is to give them back what's on CNN. That's kind of Johnny obvious. What you can get from a cloud infrastructure that works for you is you can have instantaneous auto automated insights that go far beyond what is obvious. And those timelines are, are decreasing. It was not unusual to, in the drive between Virginia and DC, to get six or seven updates. And so that, that trust but verify, you get one chance usually to step off the curve and, and if you don't, the baton goes to someone else. So we spent a lot of time on that um, at AWS when, you know, for uh, the, the, various the various cloud operations we have going on for when uh, there is an incident like Log4j, there's a tremendous diligence process, but that's something, that is not something you discover in the moment. That's something you're practicing every single day. Um, we are going to just take a brief momentary pause here, and then we're going to come back with our final question for Sean. Every day, organizations face the threat of cyber attacks that target privileged accounts. In fact, a staggering 74% of data breaches start with compromised privileged accounts and credentials. Is your organization prepared to defend against these attacks? What if an attacker obtains access to one of your privileged accounts? What if a new admin mistakenly changes the configuration of a server, exposing sensitive information? How do you prove to auditors that all privileged activity in your organization is legitimate and under control? Netrix Privilege Secure is the answer. This complete solution empowers you to slash the risks associated with privileged accounts. You can gain insight into your attack surface by identifying all always-on privileged accounts across your organization, including local admins, service accounts, and scheduled tasks. Replace risky, always-on privileges with just-in-time temporary accounts that have just enough access for the task at hand and that are automatically deleted afterward. 
prevent breaches and ensure accountability by closely monitoring all privileged activity for suspicious behavior. Prove compliance with strict regulatory requirements with a tamper-proof audit trail of every session. Enforce least privilege by empowering data owners to regularly review access rights to their content and remove any excessive privileges. Don't delay. Visit netrix.com PAM today to lock down your privileged accounts before they're compromised. Every day, your business's data holdings grow in complexity and risk. With customer privacy and protection as a top priority, you need to know and trust your data in order to maximize its potential and manage your exposure. Solving this problem with multiple unintegrated solutions only adds to the system's complexity. You need a central automated platform to manage all your company's data risk, compliance, governance, and quality issues. Transforming your data from a potential liability into a valued, trusted asset that will enable you to grow your business with confidence. Introducing Data Sentinel, an all-in-one sensitive data management platform that illuminates the true nature of your organization's data. Natively integrating with all your sources and systems, monitoring, measuring, and remediating to ensure compliance with company policies and evolving data privacy regulations. Protect your business and your customers. Be confident your data is high quality, well-governed, and compliant. Data Sentinel. Trust your data. Welcome back, uh, Sean. Uh, we, as we're you know, drawing to a conclusion here, I uh, absolutely loved uh, the conversation so far. We're going to end on what hopefully is a uh, easy note. <laughs> it is talking about maybe just giving, if you give a little teaser about the talk that you'll be giving at the upcoming uh, Vancouver International Privacy and Security Summit, and why you're excited to come out to Vancouver. Well, first of all, I'm excited to come to Vancouver because it's it's a beautiful place, British Columbia, Canada. I mean, uh, I. I have to say, very honestly, living here in Los Angeles, even by the beach, uh, it's every Californian's dream to move to Vancouver. Mm -hmm. uh, and so uh, uh, so it, it's just a great place. A couple things. Uh, first, I'm really excited to see some old friends. Uh, Dr. Boudreau uh, Demian from uh, NATO and uh, Sammy Khoury. He and I have shared the stage before. So, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's great to see people again. It's also what I think is most important to us at AWS is the agenda for this is it's really a learning experience. This is not a pedal your wares forum. This is, you know, it's got workshops. It has um, ISVs, you know, small vendors. It It's with new ideas. It's got uh, our partners, the people we work with in our environment. And most importantly, it's got the customer voice. So for us, this is a learning environment. Um, and uh, a couple of things about what I'll say. I have been labeled an obsessive optimist. Uh, I really, really uh, try to, uh, I'll say, defund and and degauss the FUD that is out there, the fear, uncertainty, and doubt uh, about these security topics. Um, quite frankly, AI to me is a great security enabler. Is there a bad side? Yes, but you know, when you were young, your parents told you not to poke your finger in the electric outlet because it was a bad thing, but you did have electricity in your house. So AI, it, we're very young in that conversation. Um, I, I like to talk about how you achieve speed, security, and compliance all at the same time, and how that is getting easier to do. I debunked the, the theory that you need to go out and hire 500 cybersecurity experts. Quite frankly, you can grow them. And the best people I had in the cyber 
uh, mission, whether it was offense or defense at the CIA, they came from the most diverse backgrounds and they had the most diverse uh, educational backgrounds. The best cryptologist I ever knew uh, had a master's degree in French horn. And this person just knew how to do it. I also will talk a little bit about, you know, a really um, fast conversation that's happening where we are shifting from an important sovereignty discussion, which we'll always have, to a discussion of deep digital resiliency. And how do you have sovereignty, sovereignty resiliency that you are, uh, that the national customer, you know, just demands and the net citizens demand, and at the same time, have that legal compliance be able to do that verification for a compliance. I think when we talk about verify, we want to be able to turn to our compliance uh, stakeholders and give them the actual readout of this is exactly what's happening. So um, overcome FUD and they'll leave with some immediate actions, immediate actions that they can come back to their organization and ask, what are we doing in these two or three areas to answer these questions? And finally, It'll expand everybody's network, and I, I just look forward to to doing that because that's that's usually such a rich part of the experience. That's, so very much looking forward to being. That's amazing, Sean. We're looking forward to to seeing you in person, and, and um, feel like digging out my French horn now. You, it's uh, somewhere in the depths of my closet. But uh, thank you so much for joining us on on the Cybersecurity Matters podcast and for talking about the VIPS uh, summit as well. But hope you have an awesome rest of the day, and we look forward to seeing you in Vancouver. Look forward to seeing you. Thank you so much. Thank you, Sean. Christian and I will be right back uh, to wrap up today's episode. Join us at the 26th annual Vancouver International Privacy and Security Summit. Embark on a transformative intellectual journey on guarding privacy, fortifying security, and navigating the AI frontier, where visionaries, experts, and innovators convene to dissect the intricate intersection of cutting-edge artificial intelligence and the critical imperatives of preserving privacy and enhancing security. Through riveting keynote sessions, interactive workshops, and collaborative panels, this event promises to unravel the complexities, challenges, and opportunities that define our digital age. The special promo code, CyberSC15. Wow, that was uh, that was a top interview. <laughs> that was automatically, I think, top five just in the first few minutes when he was when he was talking. But another uh, ex CIA, yeah, they they delivered. They always deliver you, three for three. You don't piss around with the CIA. So, uh, what the, what did you think about uh, uh, what Sean had to say? Well, I loved every minute of it, and I can't wait to hear his actual talk. What? How did he break it down? He wants to talk about how you can achieve speed, security, and compliance at the same time, and the interplay between those three. Absolutely, yeah. No, it's uh, it was just such an engaging conversation. I was, I was stuck when he said every Los Angeles person wants to live in Vancouver. I thought it was the other way around, but uh, um, I guess uh, when, when he comes up here, we're going to be uh, really enjoying that that uh, keynote. It's going to be fantastic. Uh, but very much grateful to Sean Roche for joining us on the podcast today. And thank you to Amazon AWS for allowing him uh, to uh, join us. Uh, I know it's hard to go through some levels of bureaucracy, but we enjoyed uh, having Sean on the show. Uh, and for your uh, for you listeners and viewers out there, if you really want to see Sean uh, perform and speak at the uh, upcoming Vancouver International Privacy and Security Summit uh, in March, uh, do uh, feel free to check out the Cyber SC uh, special promo code. It's Cyber SC fifteen. You'll get ten percent off uh, when registered uh, for registration for the upcoming VIPS Summit. But um, hope you enjoyed today's episode. Uh, if you do want to check out old episodes, do look at the Cybersecurity Matters YouTube page, or you can find your classic episodes or our classic episodes on your preferred podcasting platform. Till next time, be well, be safe, and we'll see you again in the future on the Cybersecurity Matters podcast. Mm-hmm.